You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast hosted by me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have an exciting guest, Salvador Nisi, who is the founder and CEO of Memomi, the creator and patent holder of the Memory Mirror an award-winning digital mirror platform that is revolutionizing the way people shop today. He is a serial entrepreneur and interactive design expert. Prior to founding Memomi, Salvador founded and exited three successful network system integration companies. A recognized leader in experience-based design, he has 15 years of international executive level management experience, specializing in rapid product developments, and is an inventor holding 74 patents that can also be found at the crossroads of innovation. Salvador, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. So, well, before we dive in, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about Memomi? Yes, so uh, we started with a project with the company in 2014, and me and my uh, co-founder, my partner, Ofer Saban, and what we tried to do is to create a technology that will be a kind of uh, upgrading the mirror experience and leveraging it uh, to much more than what we do with the regular, you know, passive mirror. So we started to develop the technologies in the first two, three years, creating the IP, the patents, and the partner with you know companies like Intel, Adobe, Microsoft, Corning. And then in 2019, we started with the deployments and POCs with companies like you know, Neiman Marcus. We did with them the memory mirror for fashion. We did with Luxoptica the memory mirror for, for eyewear, and then we continue further to other kind of industries like uh, uh, makeup and uh, air coloring. And uh, we started with devices that were kind of proprietary. And now we are, uh, in the last two years, we are pushing more and more to run the platform on any uh, kind of uh, device. Uh, and it's basically an AR, augmented reality and artificial intelligence a platform that can uh, augment anything you want. So we are not limited to any specific vertical. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell us how it works. And when you say that you're pushing to have the platform on any device, do I can I have it on my device as a consumer? Yes, of, of course. So what we're doing is we have a very powerful uh, AI, AR uh, engine, which based on neural networks and deep learning, and then we we can uh, you know take any kind of video string or photo from any device from your mobile from your iPad from you know from even in the future from televisions and then it's run through our engine which separate the area of interest that we kind of want to augment or to change and afterwards we creating applications so of course we can send you even a link and you will be able to put makeup on yourself or eyewear or jewelry even without downloading any application. Interesting. So how do you how does a brand onboard with you? How does how do you how does that process go? Yes, yeah, so nowadays we have a, I would say a few sets of a, of products. So we are kind of have a, a set of product, a generic product for beauty, for eyewear, for clothes, for footwear, air coloring, skincare, etc. And then a for example, if we're talking about IRA company, 
only the only thing they need to provide us is images of their frames, you know, like of the of the of the sunglasses or if it's you know prescription glasses, and we we taking from two photos we will make it a three D model, and uh, relatively easy in few days we will be able to run the platform with their own products, and it's same for beauty with with beauty it's even easier. Uh, we have connectivity to you know to most of the largest companies in the world so we have already in our databases thousands of thousands of products so we started with uh, defining what they want what they need and it most of the time we are uh, creating experience that run in the store and also on the web so it's kind of really unified experience with the same SKUs. Uh, so usually a project like that we can we can actually ramp uh, in the website in in a week in two weeks if they want something very special it will take a month two months you know it depends the level of integration and the level of customization that the customer want but that's pretty fast i mean one to two weeks is amazing yeah yeah because we are leveraging we have already sdks you know so like uh, software development kits and apis that you just have to plug into your website and you can just, you know, use our own uh, design. And this is super quick with iframe. Uh, you just have it in, in within days. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned a number of verticals that you work within. Fashion, eyewear, hair, footwear, skincare, makeup. When I think of augmented reality, you see a proven success of, uh, in, in beauty, right? It's probably one of the industries where you've seen it be adopted the most. Why is that? So I think the, the, the reason that it's very successful is because, first of all, there's a lot of brands that are competing with each other and they are uh, pushing to the market a lot of products quickly. And then uh, they uh, also uh, to augment uh, makeup. It's I think the easiest uh, technology from technology perspective. So if I compare it to other the, the industries or uh, verticals that we're working, this is the easiest to put lipstick on your on your face, you know, on the lips or eyeshadow. It's technology-wise relatively less complicated, and also it's very much a good solution. You know, people. Historically, you know, you prefer not to try like 10 different lipstick. You, it's a very good tool to narrow your selection, let's say to the top two, and then maybe you would try with testers. That is, you know, pre-COVID. I think with COVID, and we'll talk about it later, you know, people will not want even to try it. So, and of course, you can do it from home. Uh, and we see really a lot of uh, M&A also in this industry, like... Uh, L'Oreal acquired Modiface, which was, you know, the most dominant uh, AR supplier for this industry. And then Ulta acquired Glam Street last year. And Shiseido acquired Biaran. And so you see like a lot of M&As also. Right. And so you talk about COVID, right? And we do want to dive into that a bit because it's the world we're living in and it probably will last a while long enough that you're going to see longer term changes happening. But beauty's one in particular, and I, I, we could put fashion on the list, you know, with the, tr the whole try on experience, um, and questions around how do we allow for sampling? So how has COVID accelerated the adoption and the need for your technology? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the first um, weeks, you know, people were kind of confused. They didn't know the direction, what will happen. So we were kind of all, I think most of the big companies we work with was kind of hibernating. But after the second month, you see more and more demand and we get demand from 
almost uh, every industry in retail. And uh, we did some very uh, large project, for example, with Walmart and Sam's Club. Uh, they wanted to have a solution for the eyewear departments, you know, like for the frames, uh, the optical frames, because uh, of the sensitivity of social distance. And, you know, when optometrists need to measure your uh, pupils, you know, the distances and all this, it's very, they're doing it from very close. So they asked us to develop in three weeks a solution that will run uh, on every iPad they have in the clubs and uh, to be very precise. So that's one opportunity and this is something that we solve and it's running now in 500, uh, more than 500 stores and uh, it's really solved a problem and they can see immediate ROI also in the time that it saved them because it takes less than a minute to do it and before it took much more than that. We see also a lot of demands from industries uh, uh, of uh, watches, uh, jewelry, scarves, you know, anything that will have, when they open the stores, any physical touch point, they want to be ready. So they want to be ready in the e-commerce and they want to be ready also in-store. It's not that the in-store is gone forever. When it comes back, each one of them want to be ready with less touch points. And we see a lot of opportunities. Some of them, you know, we do quickly the websites and then we work in parallel on solutions to the in-store that we launch afterwards. So do you also feel that the acceleration is being helped, that this is the only consumer's only option? So they too are uh, adopting it at a greater level and they have confidence that, you know, the magic mirror is a good representation of fit. Yeah, I mean, we don't call it a magic mirror. A magic mirror is a very bad connotation from the past, you know, all the paper dolls options. My, so, I meant yeah. memory, my apologies, yeah, no, no, we, memory we, we, mirror. We just call it digital mirrors, you know, that's because we're actually digitizing the mirror functionality. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, because of the technology is really advanced and the GPUs, you know, all the, the processing power in the devices is getting stronger. So the possibility to run better complete rendering is really good. So we really have good result. Uh, for example, we're doing you know projects uh, now for uh, let's say uh, scarves and the uh, other things that you put on you, and it looks completely real. Interesting. I'm curious to try the scarves. I could see that you know you spoke about beauty has taken off because that's kind of an easier thing, right, to kind of virtually. But a scarf that's a tricky one. There's a lot to account for there. So I need to. I'm going to need to try that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, once it will be public, I will let you know. But uh, it's uh, it's a project uh, that will open our kind of technology to more and more use cases related to fashion, which we actually uh, postponed in the last year. Interesting. So tell me, what what sort of data capture are you also helping to, you know, brands uh, visualize from this? And how is that helping advance personalization? Yeah, so for example, let's talk about the eyewear. So we have projects with companies, you know, like Luxoptica, like DFS, the Duty Freeze. And what we are doing, for example, we are uh, scanning your face and then we can see your face shape and other characteristics and we can actually let you know which kind of frame is suiting you the best and when something like you know new friends will come we the personalization is is actually very kind of accurate and narrow it's not only your the things that they, they used to see in the website 
we can actually uh, fit something that is, is really useful for you. Same, for example, for foundation, we have a tool that detects the tones of your face, and then we can recommend you very accurately the, the undertone, the tone, and few tones up or down, so it's really, really accurate, and it's in every industry. Uh, we will, you know, together with the customer, they, we can build a tree of recommendation and, and just narrow the amount of uh, recommendations that you get that are completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so what uh, what additional information are you helping retailers obtain and do you help them glean insights from that? So so basically, our company from the beginning, we, we don't like to kind of... Uh, we are not monetizing the data. We just try to help and we, we provide more like a non-specific information, like mm-hmm. anonymous, so even the face shape or whatever, it's not that they are going to start to, you know, dig into the information. It's more, mostly we're doing it anonymously. Uh, so we don't give them the raw data and things like that. We can give them some of the results, but basically, uh, it's just to try to give better service. We absolutely not into being, you know, like big brother and things like that. We always say that we are more like the little sister that help to shop uh, because we really, sure. yeah, we're really into privacy and uh, all our customers are the same. You know, they, they just want to have analytics, how many people use it, how many people have this kind of, you know, characteristics so they can actually have in the stores the inventory that they need and, and things like that in a kind of a global level. Right. Well, I could see that being helpful on kind of estimating inventory needs. What is your vision? What is your vision for taking augmented reality and retail to the next level, especially as we're seeing consumer behaviors evolve so quickly over the past six months? Yes. So, you know, we know that that, uh, AR is going to grow dramatically in the next uh, four years. It, you know, the revenue right now in 2019 was around 8 billion and it will grow in 2024 to 60 billion. And this is uh, even uh, even before COVID, you know, all these estimations, because people are using it uh, like 77% of the customer prefer to use augmented reality capabilities uh, to preview, you know, what they buy. So we see uh, more and more usage and it will be kind of because of the COVID uh, there is just acceleration. All these brands understand that uh, it, it's helpful, and right now it's not uh, nice to have. It's a must. It's a must because uh, you know many many people will not go out even when things will open, and things will not be the same. I think until we will have a scene or whatever you know something else that occur to this uh, phenomenon. Uh, yeah, so just grow and. Uh, we see also the large companies uh, taking steps, you know, like the social media companies uh, pushing AR, like Snapchat, uh, Facebook, etc. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So on that note, you know, you've mentioned Luxottica and you've mentioned Sam's Club, but who and you have a diverse set of customers. Um, so as you're kind of weaving through these different industries with them, what has been the form- formula for successful proof cases? You know, when does this really get deployed and is effective for both the consumer and the retailer that you're supporting? I think when it's really necessary, and you know, like if, if you take it as a gimmick or, you know, oh, it's just cool, 
it will not succeed for other than you know just to be a POC. It has to be something that makes sense uh, either from the economical side of ROI, you know, you sell more, or it saves time to the customer and to, and to, you know, or to the brand with the manpower. Uh, and that it's realistic. The user experience is extremely important that it will be realistic, as you said. If it doesn't look real, it will not work. So across all the platform, across all the industries, you know, the verticals, it's have to make sense from the user experience, I would say. No, absolutely. And, you know, we mentioned earlier in the call about it being something that also, you know, can power consumer devices and, and especially in beauty. But I think it's, 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 it's expanding past that industry for sure is just all of us being able to control our shopping destination with our phone itself being our own remote control. Um, so it's interesting how you can add this multi-layer effect um, to all of our phones um, by partnering with these retailers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end, I think the, uh, the end game will be when we or other companies, you know, will do multi-vertical, multi-layer AR. So right now we have like yeah, for, for beauty, for air, for for eyewear, they, 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 I think they, at the end, it will be all kind of recommendation of everything with everything. So it, it, will, more, it, it will not be limited to one specific vertical. Do you have any um, examples where you, things happened or came out of a deployment that were surprising to you? Maybe the way in which somebody wants to interact with augmented reality or any ahas? Uh, not much, you know, not much uh, surprises. You know, we have sometimes surprises with the technology uh, acting different than what we thought. Uh, mm -hmm. But this is something you always happen during prototyping. But uh, we always refining with the customer, you know, like we, right. until we go to this the kind of our generic application, we did a lot of, uh, you know, tests and versions. So, but I don't remember any something. Wow. That was completely, completely surprised. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you never know what comes out of these things, but I do think it's an exciting time. I mean, you know, people have spoken about augmented reality, virtual reality, AI, um, the power of technology, and we're in such a exciting time where, unfortunately, what's driving this is a terrible, a terrible thing. But we're just seeing so much acceleration happening so quickly, and I, I would think that that puts you in, in such a unique position to kind of push the envelope further, even faster, when you think about the possibilities of. Um, you know, what your technology and augmented reality can deliver for customers and for, for your clients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and one great thing that uh, uh, my partner offer did with the team is that they built a very generic and versatile uh, engine. So, you know, we get some kind of inquiries uh, and we can transform or we can actually take the same engine and use it for any kind of use case that we even didn't think to do. You know, like the scarves, we, it was not our plan to, okay, let's do this application for scarves. But we have a, a great opportunity and then within a few weeks, we can, we can have a great product that will do, will, will actually cover this industry. So 
uh, yeah, just the versatility uh, and flexibility of the technologies is really make it uh, for us for you know to have more verticals uh, for and more opportunities. No, absolutely, that's definitely going to be necessary. And like I said, consumers kind of you know necessity drives innovation and across the board, right? We're all needing new ways to compensate for the fact that we can't touch and feel or go in a dressing room or sample beauty or feel comfortable putting eyewear on our face after somebody else just used it. So um, I think there's a ton of possibilities there. We, we, you know we see now from the watches watch industry. So we started projecting watches. So it's an all industry that also will suffer. People will not want to touch or they're at home and they cannot see how it looks on them. And it's important when you buy a piece in, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand of dollars. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think you guys have some exciting times ahead of you um, as we see AR and AI really come to the spotlight and brands prioritizing it. And of, co- of course, if you could get them up and running in one to two weeks, that's incredible. I'm sure people have, some have better photos than others. So some may take longer than that. But, um, but the other thing is like, my last question is as you're working more and more with teams, wh- what groups are you intersecting with in house? Are you usually working with the marketing team? Are you working with the product team? Are you working with the biz dev team? Like who's, who's usually, internal at a company thinking of these um, applications? So usually, you know, in the large corporation, they have like innovation team, like chief digital mm-hmm. officer or head of right. innovation. So usually they are the, the first to kind of find us. And then right. uh, they delegating to project managers and uh, to uh, marketing. So we will work with, not with specific one person in the company or one role in the company uh, most of the time it will be few and uh, in in some in some uh, companies they're making our life easier and there is a strong uh, project manager that is doing the internal communication with the marketing team and in the in-store team and you know kind of scientific teams and he come to us you know with all the information that makes it uh, you know easier so it's a combination mm-hmm I ask that because I think a lot of the times you've seen teams work in silos and I think the opportunity falls short because marketing doesn't ter- talk to the product team and, you know, vice versa. And so it's, it's, it's great to see a lot of those silos being broken down and groups working more cohesively because I think that, ex- that further expands the potential of, of the technology. Yeah, I think it will go, go more and more to the direction of, you know, the marketing uh, department will be able to leverage it more and more for personalization, you know, in the recommendations. And the more they will be involved, I think the more ROI the companies will have in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having this conversation. I've been asking everybody this question before we go, because we are living in a life of COVID, but we will not forever. And we will travel again. You guys have offices in Palo Alto, Paris, and Tokyo. So pick one of those three. When we're all able to travel again, what are the top two to three must do, must visit things in one of those cities? I mean, uh, Tokyo is great. I love the Japan, but I also like Paris, and we have also an office in Tel Aviv in Israel, which is you know a great place to travel as well. So maybe we you know just pick nice locations uh, because we like sure. traveling. Sure, I'm going to add them to my list. <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely a lot of recommendation uh, for for Tokyo and uh, uh, Palo Alto is pretty boring, but uh, 
Tokyo and Tel, Tel, Tokyo and Tel Aviv, I can give a lot of recommendation. If someone wants, just drop me an email. <laughs> there's a lot. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot. All right. Well, we'll make sure that we share your email after this podcast. Um, everyone, this is Salvador Nisi. He is the founder and CEO of Memory um, and the creator and patent holder of the Memory Mirror. This has been an exciting conversation about the possibilities around AR and AI. Thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome.